0: Welcome to the Highland Ministry Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's teaching from Highland Baptist Church in Molino, Florida. Today, we're delighted to welcome Dr. Mike Wiggins to the pulpit to bring the message A Glimpse of Glory. Dr. Wiggins has been a longtime pastor here in Northwest Florida. Now, tune your heart to the Lord as we hear from Brother Mike. Well, good morning. Highland. It's uh, great to be here with you today. I've been looking forward to this ever since I was called and asked about uh, being able to come here. I know that you've been listening to some wonderful uh, guys with uh, Brian Nall, who's a good, great friend of mine, and Dale Patterson, I've been friends with uh, Dr. Patterson now for over thirty years, and uh, I know they bless your heart and, and uh, I uh, know as I heard just a moment ago and you're talking about your your committee meeting, I know this is a <clears throat> this is a trying time in the life of a church as you are uh, in between pastors and you're looking for a pastor. This is very uh, sensitive to me because I just uh, I just re- left a church that I had been pastor of for thirty four years that I felt like it was time for me to retire there, not to retire from ministry, but to retire from that church. And uh, it was a hard, hard decision for me to make. We had a wonderful time there. And I know they're looking right now and they're praying. And so we're praying for them, my wife and I, and, and we want you to know we're going to be praying for you as you go through this process and uh, in securing a man to, to lead this uh, wonderful body here. I've ridden by this church many times, uh, being from I Alabama. Uh, My wife has some folks in Atmore, and uh, a lot of times we would travel up to go to Atmore. We always drove right by here. I've been in the church one time before, I believe, for, uh, I believe I was here for a funeral or something one time a few years ago, and I've always heard wonderful things about Highland. And uh, it's just a joy to be here with you today. But we're going to look today at God's Word. I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at verses thir- uh, 28 through 36 in just a, a moment. <clears throat> As you are turning, I want to, just, you know, ask you a question that may seem a little strange that I would ask this question Uh, knowing what we have experienced as a people in the last two years with all this pandemic, all the stuff that's going on, it seems like almost everything that can go wrong in the world has been going wrong in the world, right? And so we look at all of those things. And so I'll ask you this question, and it seems funny for me to ask it, and that is, do you ever feel like the world is just crumbling around you? Well, circumstances of the world... Can become something of a real discouragement to us, can overwhelm us. And even as believers, our lives are filled with those kinds of things. We our lives are filled with with, uh, sacrifice and suffering and uncertainty and fear and all of those things. And in the midst of that, all of that kind of difficulty, we are prone to wonder how long is this going to last? How long can this be? And whether the struggle that we go through as a Christian living in a world, living now in a country where it seems like uh, we are many times that our country seems to be at odds with us as Christians. We wonder, is the struggle even worthwhile? Well, Jesus knew that we would face times like this. And so he gave us a great promise and then he gave to us a wonderful guarantee to back that promise up. He pointed ahead to a coming day when he is going to come in full glory. We're looking for that day, aren't we? When Jesus Christ comes back again and we reign with him, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will reign with him in his kingdom. So He gave us that wonderful promise, but then He gave to us a a guarantee. And you say, well, Mike, what are you talking about a guarantee? Well, he, He wanted us to know that we are going to one day fully possess the promise of that eternal presence with Him and that glory with Him. And so what He did is He took three of His disciples... And he goes up up on a mountain, and these disciples were in a time of doubt. It was a time of discouragement. Uh, It was a, a time when they were fearful about what was happening. And he takes them on this mountain, and he unveils to them his heavenly glory. It's a preview that he could complete what he had promised is going to do and that event is what we're going to be looking at this morning and that event is really referred to and speaking of that as the transfiguration of Jesus and today we're going to examine that moment and see how it enables us to face what we are going through where Whatever it is in our life, whether it's something that's going on in our country or it's something going on in your personal life, your family, or whatever is happening, that we can face all of that with a heavenly perspective, understanding it with a heavenly perspective, now, overcoming, you know, the frustrations of, of living in, in, a, in, a, in a fallen world is where jesus comes to give to us that divine hope and he gives to us what i've entitled this message a glimpse of glory or what he gives to us is what i would just kind of call just to say today is some inside information yeah don't you like some inside information and so i tell you something give you a little inside information well that's what i want to do and i believe that's what the lord gives to us here you see our god is a god of hope And he works to fill us with this glorious hope. You see, life is hard and and this world that we live in is broken and man is, is born into trouble and we all need hope. Someone said that human beings can live 40 days without food, four days without water, and four minutes without air, but we cannot live four seconds without hope. We need hope. In fact, one of the reasons that hell is hell is because there is a place where it is a place where there is absolutely no hope. No hope. And you see, God is working in our life to give us hope and and he gives us a look beyond the grave, a solid assurance for the here and now that we are going to be able to experience that eternal glory uh, in His presence. A hope that ushers in this eternal and ever-increasing joy and glory in the land, what someone says is a land of no mores. Well, there's no more sin and no more pain and no more death and no more separation with our God. Because Jesus is our hope. He is our hope. It's the transfiguration that we're going to be looking at. And and so what Jesus does here is he gives his disciples a glimpse. And he gives to us a glimpse of what it's going to be like to be with him. So won't you look with me at this passage? And by the way, this, uh, this is recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each one has some things that they share that are a little bit different, add to it. Uh, But we see it in, in Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 9 and also in Luke chapter 9. But let's look at it. He says now, the scripture says, now after eight days, after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. "...who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem or at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah." not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid and, they, and, and they, as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one of the, those days anything what they had seen. Now by this time, Jesus had been with his disciples, really, almost three years. He had spent days with them, he had lived with them, he had eaten with them, he had taught them, but now he brings them to what is a time of decision. And that is, he comes to them with a question. And preceding what we have just read here, he, he, if you go back in Luke chapter 9, you got your Bibles open there, and you look at verses 18 to, to, through 20, it says, now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others, that, that uh, one of the prophets of old has risen. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. That's recorded in Mark. It says you, he says you are the Christ. And and Matthew records this, that he says you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, he's saying, you are the one we've been waiting for. You are the Messiah, the Christ the anointed one and what he's saying to them is he's saying what well, all of us have to look and we look at Jesus and he's saying to them what is your evaluation of me and Peter who always seems to always want to talk right I relate to him because I like to talk and, uh, and so he he says well uh, you are the Christ well Jesus says to him, as it's recorded in one of the other Gospels, he says to him, Peter, you didn't just figure this out on your own. You didn't learn this in some school. You didn't learn this in some seminary. The Holy Spirit has, re- has revealed this to you. You got it right. And then Jesus begins to talk about his death. Because in verse 21, he, he begins to... Talk about the fact that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter says, oh no. That'll never happen to you. I'll make sure. He he pulls him off to the side and he says, well, those other guys might let this happen, but I won't let this happen to you. This is not going to happen to you. And Mark says that Jesus rebuked Peter And then we read on in Luke, and he tells us that Jesus said to him, he said, get behind me, Satan. Just contrast that, folks. Here's the man who just said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he says, the Holy Spirit's revealed that to you. That's a high moment. Uh, You know, I believe Peter was thinking pretty good of himself there. I got it right, guys. He's the Christ. And only a little while later, he's saying to that same man, Get behind me, Satan. You know, what? When I, when I read that, I, it just tells me it's just how we are sometimes. That Sometimes, you know, we are being used of God and sometimes we're being used of Satan. Sometimes we are just open to the Lord and we're being used of him. And we're, we're doing what he wants us to do and we're doing his bidding. But sometimes, unknowing to ourselves many times, we are doing Satan's bidding. And that's what happened here to Peter. Jesus, you know, says to them, he says to all of them, he says, but I tell you truly, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And Luke says, then eight days later, eight days later, he takes them up on this mountain. If you go back to what happened there with Peter, when, when Peter said to him, you know, and uh, uh, this won't happen to you. And Jesus said to him, you know, get behind me. You, you ever been in a situation where somebody says something like that and it creates a real tension, doesn't it? And there was a real tension that was going on. And that was going on for eight days. Now, Luke says it was six days, and Matthew says it was six days. Uh, and uh, or excuse, Mark says it was six days, Matthew says it was six days, but Luke says it was eight days. And so, a lot of people look at that and say, well, I, you know, that's the Bible's, you know, it contradicts itself and so forth. Listen, that's just another way of, of counting the days. In other words, when he makes this promise, he said, there are some of you standing here right now, right now, who will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God, says that he is counting that day then the six days in between and then the day of the fulfillment of that promise which is the transfiguration Matthew and Mark are just counting the six days in between it's just a different way of counting it so there's no contradiction at all it was at this time that was really a hard and sad time for Jesus because these men didn't understand him they didn't understand what he was saying, you know, and, and, and where he was going. And so they began to even question. They began to think, where is Jesus headed? What does the future hold for us? Does he really understand what he's doing? And so Jesus responds by taking Peter and James and John up on a mountain, And that mountain was in the area of the region of Caesarea Philippi, so it was probably Mount Hermon. If you want to know what mountain it was, it probably was. We don't know because he doesn't tell us that, but we know that Peter's confession was made at Caesarea Philippi, and it's in that region where Mount Hermon is. And so he takes them up on this mountain to give them a glimpse of the future. Now, why did he do that? You ever just look at Scripture sometimes and say, why did that happen that way? Why did he do this for them? Well, I love what John MacArthur and I agree with what he says about this. He says that he did it to anchor them in the confidence of the glory to follow the suffering. To anchor them in the confidence of the glory to follow the suffering. To allow them to see see and, and to understand that there's always a cross before there's a crown. And that there's a pathway to glory that always has a pathway of suffering on the way. And to give to them what is a snapshot of the kingdom of God. And he appears to them in light. You know, when you go back and you study the Bible, every time the Lord God appeared to His people uh, back in the Old Testament, He would appear to them in light and the cloud. It was always to grow their faith. And that's what He's doing here with His disciples, and that's what He's doing with us. But here we learn three really important lessons, and this is what I'm just going to share with you quickly today. And I I love to listen to a guy and follow the, the writings of a guy by the name of Colin Smith, And he breaks this down in three ways. He talks about the glory, the witnesses, and the cloud. And that's what I want to talk about to you today. First of all, I want you to see the glory. Now, in verse 29, it says that Jesus was praying and he was transfigured. You know, it means that he was changed. We get our word metamorphosis from this word. Morpha means form and meta means change. And so it means to change in form. And so when Jesus was transfigured, it means that he was changed in form. Jesus was not changed. It didn't change who he was. Jesus is always Jesus, right? But what he did is he, they saw who he really was. He unveiled his glory before them. He gives them a glimpse of how he would look after his resurrection. The Bible says that his clothing was dazzling white. The word there literally means like a diamonds that are glistening in the, in the sun. Mark says that it was brighter than any launderer could bleach clothing. He must have had a bad experience at the laundry or something, you know. But anyway, he said it's bright. They were bright. He was bright. And this was so important for them to see because it was only going to be a short time and they were going to see this same Jesus beaten so bad that the scripture says, Isaiah says, that he was beaten so bad he was unrecognizable. They needed to see this. They would witness his death. And God is saying, look at what lies ahead beyond the cross. Here is the future. Yes, there's going to be pain and there's going to be suffering, but Christ is exalted. You're not following a weak Christ. You're not following after some uh, lost cause. No, Jesus is going to be resurrected from the grave and he is going to appear in glory. And just like these disciples, we need this kind of encouragement today. You know, that's one of the reasons I feel like God led me, because when I was called and asked to, to preach here, my thought immediately went to the, to the transfiguration. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. And- I didn't go and just dig up some sermon that I've already preached or something like that. I I prepared the message that I believe God wanted me to preach for you here today and, and to say to us that through all of our doubt, through all of our fear, through all of our discouragement, through all of our suffering and our sacrifice, we need a glimpse of glory of what it's going to be like on the other side, beyond the cross. And what a great, you know, principle for us here. You know, Peter writing of this later says in 2 Peter 1 16-18 he says we were eyewitnesses of his majesty now I'm not Peter said I'm not telling you a story about what somebody told me I'm telling you I saw the his glory I saw him in his majesty and we were there and we heard that voice on the holy mountain this is my beloved son Listen to him. John writes about this and says, we beheld his glory. Then I want you to notice, as the, notice the witnesses there. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared with Jesus... And he was talking with them in in Luke chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. It says, and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So he's there. Jesus is there, transfigured in glory, talking to two men who are also transfigured and in glory and in their glorious state. And he is talking with them. And what do you think he's talking about? He's not talking about how the weather's been and how the ball game turned out yesterday and March Madness and all of those kind of things. No, he's talking about what he is about to accomplish. The fact that he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And I want you to look, Moses and Elijah were there sharing in Christ's glory. Not only it was Christ exalted in glory, but these two ordinary men were transfigured into glory. Now you say, well, Moses and Elijah, those are special people. Moses was the greatest leader that we see in the Old Testament. Uh, Elijah is the greatest prophet we see there. But I want you to know, I want you to see them as the fact that, yes, it is Moses and Elijah, and they're special men, but they are only men. Remember Moses? I mean, Moses was a murderer, wasn't he? He killed a man. And not only that, that when he was leading the children of Israel, he failed in such a way that he did not get to physically go into the promised land, right? God would not allow him to physically go into the promised land. But here is is Moses, and and he is there. He is whole, and, and, and folks, he looks like he's enjoying his first visit to the Holy Land, right? There he is. He didn't get to go before, but here he is. But I want you to—I'm going to just share a little bit of a side just quickly here with you. Notice notice some things about this this, that teaches us about what's going to happen to us when we die. The first thing is our identity does not end at death. It doesn't end. Here is Moses, and he's still Moses. When he died, he did not cease to exist. He is not reincarnated as another person. He is not an angel. He has not gotten his wings. No. None of that. Moses and Elijah were there sharing in the glory of Jesus Christ. You see, folks, you and I have been made and created for eternity. We will exist forever. And we will exist and we will remain in that relationship in which we die. And that is, we will either be in a relationship of faith and trust and love of the Lord Jesus Christ or that of one of rebellion and rejection. And we will spend eternity in that condition. They lose their identity. But also, we'll, we, we will be known after we die. That's the second thing. When Peter and James and John saw these witnesses, they, they knew that it was Moses and Elijah. Have you ever thought, well, how did they know that was Moses and Elijah? They hadn't been looking at any pictures or photos of them, had they? They didn't know what they looked like. They didn't know. But they, they knew who they were. The Bible says we will know even as we are known, Right? You know, listen, I cannot tell you how many times in almost 50 years of ministry, I have received a question, Mike, will we know one another in heaven? And I want to tell you today, yes, we absolutely will. They knew who these two men were. Because here we need to remember what is the purpose of Jesus. The purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ is He is creating a community. He is bringing together all of us who have been born again in Him and we are created into this community of faith, this community of believers of all kinds of people, and even today we have this, we have this feeling and, and we have this unity with a people that we don't even know in the Ukraine, but Christians who are gathering today and worshiping just like we're worshiping in different places under some really bad circumstances. But the purpose is He's creating community, and that community will not cease to be in heaven. It will still continue. But the next observation I want to make is the best one of all. It is possible for you and for me to share Christ's glory after death. What we know about Moses and Elijah is that these men were men of faith. And remember that what they were discussing with Jesus, they were talking about his death. They were talking about his resurrection. They are there talking to him. Here is Moses and Elijah. And they, of course, have been in heaven. But as I remember, one of my professors from uh, University of Mobile, which Mobile College was what it was, was when my wife and I went there. But I remember what he told us one day. And that is, they are in heaven on an unsigned deed until Jesus dies on the cross and resurrects. And so there they are, they're talking and they are in in many ways, I believe they're encouraging Jesus so that Jesus would be able to say when he was on the cross to Telestai, it is finished. I have done everything in order for your salvation to be secured and for you to spend eternity in heaven with God. And here they are sharing in the glory of Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2, 14, Paul says, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the transfiguration is a glimpse of the future. It is Jesus saying, look at at what the future is going to be like. And then you got to love old Peter. He always talks, doesn't he? He really kind of wants to avoid the suffering because when Jesus begins to talk about his suffering and his death, he says, oh no, that's not going to happen. We'll make sure that doesn't happen. And then when he, then he later on, he is saying here, he says in verse 33, master it's good that we're here. Let us build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Listen, he wanted, what he wanted to do is what all of us want to do. He wanted to stay up on that mountain, didn't he? He wanted to avoid death altogether, just go up on the mountain, and just he was going to stay there. We see the glory, we see the witnesses, and then finally, real briefly, the cloud. In verses 34 and 30 through 36, it says, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him, and when he voiced, and, 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 and when the, the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Who is it that enters now? This is God, isn't it? It's God the Father. He comes in. He enters the, the scene there. You remember when the children of Israel when they were going through and going toward the promised land, what did God do? God appeared to them in a pillar of cloud, right? By day and a fire by night. In other words, that cloud is, when we think about a cloud, we think about something that's hidden, something that's really not knowable. And we think about the fire, we think about something that is frightening in in, in our life. In the Old Testament, God was hidden and impossible to understand. But we see here, he says, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. In other words, the hidden things of God can now be directly known through Jesus Christ, his son. In other words, folks, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me, meaning he is the way for us to know him. He is the way for us to see what is hidden jesus would say when you've seen me you've seen the father and through christ we are able to stand in the presence of god in matthew's account of this in verses six and seven it says when the disciples heard this they fell on their faces and were terrified but jesus came and touched them saying rise and have no fear jesus touched them and said get up don't be afraid I believe, folks, I believe if I had been Peter, James, and John, I would have sure been glad Jesus was there, right? Because when I understand being in the presence of God, uh, you can't stand in the presence of God alone. I mean, just like them, they fell out. One day we're going to enter the presence of God. And if Jesus is with you, you'll be able to stand. That's why we need a personal relationship with Jesus, so we can stand in the presence of God. You see, Christ will be glorified, Christ will share that glory with us, and through Christ you can know God and you can stand in His presence. I said this is a glimpse of glory, but it's only a glimpse. Because in verse 36 it says, when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent about what they would seen, what they had experienced. Jesus was there alone. They had to go back down that mountain and resume living by faith and not living by sight as they had been on that mountain. They came down that mountain different than how they went up. They came down men who had been changed and men who had been given a glimpse of what it's going to be like when we are in the presence of God. You see, we are living, folks, in some uncertain times. We worry, we fear, we get discouraged. We need to treasure being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We need to treasure that because we know where we're headed. We've been given inside information. Inside information. Will you be able to stand in the presence of Jesus Will you be able to stand in the presence of God? The only way is to have Jesus with you, to stand in his presence. And listen, folks, we've been given a beautiful, beautiful word here. Yes, there's going to be some times of suffering. There's going to be some times of uncertainty. But on the other side of the cross, there's glory. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's showing us. And so, I want to encourage you today, as this encourages me, no matter how bleak it gets, no matter how bad it becomes, that's what's ahead for us, if we know Jesus. But we need to make sure we know Him. And when I say know Him, I don't mean join a church, I don't mean just turn over a new leaf on life, I don't don't mean just, you know, kind of make some change. I mean, come to know Jesus in a relationship because you are always going to exist. You will never cease to be. You will either exist with him in glory, or you will exist separated from him forever. So trust him today. Would you stand as we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, today that we've been able to open your word to hear from you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for that for that wonderful event that we refer to as the transfiguration of you and and lord i thank you for what you gave these disciples but what you have given to us and having this recorded that we can look at this and we can see as they saw lord thank you that we can know you even in the midst of all the uncertainty that's around us and i pray lord in this group today there's a person here who's never trusted you they'll trust you today Realizing the only way they can stand in the presence of God is that Jesus is with them. they trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to- You have just heard a message from God's Word, and now it's your chance to respond. What is God calling you to do in response to today's message? Let us know by going to hbcmolino.com forward slash life. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Highland Network. Enjoy your day.